Welcome to The Unexceptionals, a podcast obsessed with everyday people. Like me, Anita Mube. And me, Kira Jack. Giving unheard voices a chance to speak on the mic. Whose story would you like to hear? everyone hello welcome again to another episode of the unexceptionals the unexceptionals you've made podcast. it you've, you've made, made it you've made it this far <laughs> five episodes deep <laughs> where plot twist no longer inviting guests just us <laughs> complaining about our own insecurities no i can care she's spreading fake news that's what she's doing fake right news now. so sad <laughs> Um, this is episode five, which is actually a special episode yep. for the series. We don't have a guest, like Kira said, that part was right, but it's only for this particular episode. Um, it's just going to be us. Just us. Just us. We felt that, so in episode one, we will have explained a little bit about the kind of knots and bolts of this podcast. Two people who have multiple interests, have curiosity about everyday people, but also themselves sometimes feel unexceptional. And we just kind of want to explore, like a, an A-level English text, we want to explore the themes that come <laughs> with the idea of being unexceptional. Yeah. Um, we will be drinking, so just Yeah, to... so here's the, here's the kind of footnote. <laughs> Uh, we're drinking throughout yeah and so there will be glasses clinking there will probably be hella lots of giggling hella lots lots of, lots of that um it's also a drinking game yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how long we're gonna last because let's just say we feel this a lot yeah so you know if you're gonna if you are gonna spend you know a podcast which is ostensibly about you know what who are you? What are you really? What have you achieved? But it's actually the Insecurities podcast. We're going to need to get <laughs> utterly shit-faced. Yeah. So um, every time uh, we mention insecurity, uh, we we're take a drink. shot or yeah. take a drink. We're going to take a drink. So uh, it's. I think we're not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of it, it'll be us crying, going. Ugh! Yeah. We like incoherent, <laughs> just crying, and you'll just hear drinks spilling everywhere. So we're hoping. Uh, <laughs> things planned for this experimental special episode um there is a narrative arc though so we will actually be talking all right english about- uh, oh. narrative arc <laughs> <laughs> this is like the other episode where i saw about running 10k i don't know if you knew but i studied english literature oh my god did you i didn't know that <laughs> it's not like you bring up every other fucking sentence kira <laughs> My insecurity, some people take out their insecurities by uh, being aggressive or making passive aggressive comments. I bring up my English literature degree. Uh, (laughs) That is, um, wait, did you just say insecurity? Oh, so yeah, we've drunk a whole bottle of wine before this and I'm about to shot Aldi gin. Hang on. Classy lady, down in one. (laughs) Oh God, that is, that is. That is botanical. (laughs) Oh, that. That took a layer off my tonsils. That... <laughs> okay. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. Um, it's going to be just a bit more fun, a bit more lighthearted. But yeah. we're hoping to, to talk about an interesting topic, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So, Kira, why did we start The Unexceptionals? So we started The Unexceptionals. Um, truth be told, I think, so we'd hung out for a while. Mm-hmm. So I had been doing stand-up. You'd been working in various media kind of outlets at the yeah. uni and you're a naturally funny fucker i got the impression we wanted to do something funny together uh, yeah I but think... then it took a bit more of a serious kind of turn but yeah. more of a journalistic like we'd met through a friend didn't we and yeah. we we started meeting up just to like write stuff wasn't it for a while yeah. but i don't know what we were exactly we were writing stuff for <laughs> And I don't know if we actually did any writing. <laughs> no, most of it, it was kind of, we had the well-meaning thing of bringing sketchbook, sorry, not yeah. sketchbooks, but uh, notepads. <laughs> so we did a lot of sketch writing, stuff like that. And then I was available more during the day. So I got, I didn't get fired. I got let go from... <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into, we'll that. Get into that. Speaking of... Uh, oh, fuck, I'm just going to say insecurity. Right, drink again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I got let go from uh, turned out quite famously dodgy finance comparison site mm-hmm. based in Norwich. So I was around during the day a lot. Um, right, yeah. You were in Norwich. This is fast more. forward a few years now. This is like this year. Really, oh shit! Isn't yeah, it? sorry. Yeah, because you'd gone to Canada for a bit. Yeah, I went. Like I, I graduated and then went went back 
home down south um, and kind of was focusing on qualifying in my profession. And that all happened and then went traveling. Like you said, I went to Canada and then yeah, got a full-time job back up in Norwich. We then re-met when I moved back into the area. Oh, that's who we come <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly what happened. And, uh, and then, yeah, we started meeting up again, just like catching up. And then we met up with Wadaley, who will be coming on in a later episode yes. for some writing sessions. And I don't know, had you started listening to podcasts much before we met? Yeah, I, so I listened to uh, Rahalastapa, which is the Richard Herring Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Rahalastapa. Rahalastapa. That is a monster for the pop filter. Yeah, absolutely, Rahalastapa. <laughs> this is a lot of these wind. Pop kil- these pop filters were five quid off Amazon. Let's not push them. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> they don't need the extra work. Uh, the Guilty Feminist I listened to. I, I'm one of those, I'm a bit of a... I'm not. Uh, I'm not monogamous when it comes to podcasts. I tend to listen to lots <laughs> of people. them. Or people, Kira, you bitch. No, um, I tend to listen to lots of them and episodes. Select episodes from loads of them. So oh, I listen. Okay, so do you not like listen to them in an order? No. Ooh. Please do that with us, though. Um- <laughs> yeah. So we a bit of a random one to like jump into. <laughs> and I listen to my dad wrote a porno. Oh my god! I started listening to that this year. I started listening to podcasts this year i never had really listened to them before mm. and i was like "Ooh, this is really cool it's just people like talking about something yeah some of them are really good i was like oh i could do that because i've kind of done radio before and herein lies a bit of the theme i guess uh. is the unexceptionals in the sense that everyone and their fucking nan has a <laughs> podcast now everyone everyone and their nan their dogs yeah like tortoise harry harry <laughs> yeah it, it was a tough one to say to people you we have a podcast coming out because genuinely i i posted when i created the facebook page which mm. you should all go and like <laughs> immediately someone yeah. messaged me and said oh you too then i think it's just become quite a big thing this year really Ooh. and it is i guess in a way easy to make a podcast in comparison to like a youtube channel youtube yeah which would need a lot more equipment but we thought that we'd go down the podcast route because we'd listen to some that we found really funny and we've always kind of had like quite a good chemistry with all the writing that we've done we ended up reaching the idea of the unexceptionals when we met up one time and we were like do you ever like look through instagram and facebook and you see all these really successful like influencers and you're just like what the hell am i doing like their lives are so interesting and mine isn't as much as they say a lot of people are quite quick to point out you know 10 years ago oh i was just someone and no one on youtube but it's it's easy now to see them with their 4k camera and their million subscribers and go oh maybe i haven't quite got it yeah I do think you're right. And like one of the things I discovered as well, like this year, which may seem a bit like a morbid view is that like, you're not really that special or unique. So what Mm. me and Kira were feeling when we look through our Instagram feeds or our Facebooks, we knew someone else would be feeling it. Someone else would be going through these and would be downhearted by what they saw. Yeah. We've talked to loads of people. We've come across lots of people in our lives and we've talked about their life stories and they've all been really interesting. Yeah. Why are we not seeing on our Instagram feeds more about these everyday people Mm. that aren't influencers that aren't doing um you know aren't starting their own businesses online and Mm. aren't running really successful blogs like why do we not have a way of knowing about their life yeah and this is where we are now five episodes in drinking yeah Yeah, i feel like it's been like an interesting for us it's been an interesting few months because when we first started putting this together i'd just been let go you were deciding i'm going to change careers right yeah and since we've started the podcast i'd say it's been an interesting turnaround for us as well in terms of also having to find our own feet in terms of our careers and stuff like that. And mm. Having to fight those innate beliefs of, I can't do it. Yeah. I'm shit. I mean, do you feel comfortable talking about what happened? Are you yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Right, so what happened? Lay it down for our listeners. Let's establish. So I was at a marketing agency where I was assistant editor. Mm-hmm. I was paid very badly. I managed a 12 language magazine a 12 language magazine that went to print by myself at one point because my editor walked out they asked to keep me when i left mm-hmm. um they understood it was because of pay but they uh asked offered me a pay rise but it did not match the company the financial comparison site in question i left for this financial comparison website now a few uh alarm bells did ring when i got offered the job because <laughs> the company when i 
went in there had not decor wise changed from the mid John major years. <laughs> it was oh god. They had a wall of night. You know those bracket TVs that people used to have in their rooms in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. They had a wall of those with CFAX burnt into the screens. Who's CFAX? That, that was that. It was like like eight bit print thing oh, about right. news or breaking news. Like uh, or what you mean? Information. Like, okay, yeah. yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. And a little revolving kind of pixelated globe. Oh, God. Yeah, so it was that. <laughs> so that should have set off alarm bells. But I was getting paid more, so I joined. And then I realised there was no training. I was right. given a torn off sheet of paper with instructions. And I just, I, I was a sub-editor, so, you know, had to learn on the spot. New tone of voice, everything like that. And it was, it, it was baptism of fire right. and a baptism of fire is good but it means you will make mistakes yeah, and when yeah, I did yeah. make mistakes we, I had no line manager and it was the managing director who was called Marcus <laughs> and he genuinely talked like this oh god he sounds like he was stuck in that same era too yeah oh god <laughs> Marcus basically bum licked the owner and <laughs> did whatever the owner wanted yeah. and he kind of the owner was notorious for being a bully Marcus was a bit of a bully, but he sounded like a fucking modem. So he nobody really. <laughs> Everyone literally just bitched about him, and I like I so I never had like appraisals. I just had like uh, him and another writer in the company would sit there if it went wrong. Yeah, and she accidentally it turned out threw me under the bus by saying what anyone would, which is oh yeah she's making a few mistakes, but you know she's improving and stuff. So he was like oh I heard, heard you're making mistakes, and I was like yeah because i've been here a month and then three months in another appraisal they were like yeah you're improving it's great and then one rainy day they'd worked with the pathetic fallacy they <laughs> like, like the atmosphere is right we're gonna this bring is, this, this is the perfect time for us to to, to do this the, no. the rain is here <laughs> or it's like there's the lightning position if, is- <laughs> If we could just it. turn the power off in the room <laughs> when she comes in. I'll be even back. Just have a torch illuminate my face. And I came in and they didn't even call my desk. I'd gone over to uh, speak to a colleague. They rang her desk, said, can you come meet us in the boardroom? By which point I knew it was bad. Right. And they said, yeah, it's not working out for you here. We're going to let you go. And I pushed them on why, and they couldn't really give me a proper reason. So I called them on professional and walked out. <laughs> Damn, dropping the mic there. I did. I was like, I mean, if, I mean, if it's happening, you've got to like, yeah. At that point, you're like, well, no it's happening. Begging. Isn't it? So you 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 walked out, and then what happened afterwards? Um, they escorted me out of the building. Mm-hmm. The site manager was mortified and was very apologetic. Um, they put my desk in a black bin liner. And oh what so you out. didn't even get a cardboard box like in the films they <laughs> offered that and i said that's not gonna work because you're chucking me out into the pissing rain when i don't have a yeah. car and i wasn't I, d- I wasn't given time to like get a taxi yeah oh the- wait okay so it was like you walked in you chat to your colleague got into the boardroom i wasn't allowed Felicia. to talk to them they were like stop talking to your colleagues go like it- really yeah like, oh god that made you feel like a bit like a criminal or like yeah. you've done something wrong so right, okay. to hook it back into the thing, like the unexceptional, at that point, as much as you're like, I know I did nothing wrong here. I worked as hard as I could. I left that company feeling pretty unexceptional in terms of my abilities. Yeah. But off, I'm a freelancer now, so I've won gigs based on what I do. So that's yeah. kind of... Shablamo! Shablam! But yeah, so after that, I got hush money. I got a month's worth of pay mm-hmm. on top of the pay I was entitled to. Mm-hmm. Uh, lawyers... If you'd like to appear on this show and contradict me on that, please do write yeah, in. Yeah, that'd be really interesting to talk yeah. to some lawyers. Oh, damn. And that was kind of happening... Uh, this was before we started The Unexceptionals, right? Yeah, this was as... So once I got let go from that, I had time on my hands. So yeah. I could come and meet you during the day and be like, let's plan. <laughs> let's plan, girl. Yucky. So what about you? You kind of... So you are working uh, for a hospital. Yeah. You, um, and you did lots of training. You did a yeah. four or five year degree. I did a lot of years. <laughs> you did. You chose quite a challenging scientific medical degree. Right, yeah. And then once you got to the degree, the actual practical doing the job, you were like, nah. Well, the thing is, in reality, like, I have always kind of been like, nah. <laughs> like, even doing the degree, I think it came down to 
the situation and the circumstances I was put in when I had to pick a degree. I, I, I turned 18, I, I knew I really wanted to go to university. I couldn't not go to university because I hated my current like weekend job. I worked for a retailer and I just hated it. I hated the mentality, it was just sales, statistics fueled. I, and I just don't work like that. Like mm. I wanna do a good service to give people a good service. I don't wanna be pushed to sell extra things on for people who don't need it. Like I yeah. don't think that's good business. I don't think that's a good thing. So I hated that my current job that I had and I was like, well, not going to university is not an option. <laughs> I started going to university at the time when the fees were going up. So in my year, if I went straight away, I would get the lower university fees. Yeah. If I waited a year, it would be triple the amount. So there was that additional pressure of like, oh God, like I could avoid paying three times the amount of student yeah. loan if I, you know, just went to university now. So there was that. And, you know, we talked a bit about this in the other episodes about being a multi-potentialite. Like I've never really yeah. heard that word until like we start doing this podcast and we met mm. up with James, I think, who's the one who first mentioned it. But I guess that's who... I've, like I am and I've always been I've never been able to really put a word on it but I've always been interested in a lot of things like I've always been interested in art I've always yeah. been interested in being creative I've always been interested in science the human body medicine biology zoology everything I've always been really interested in that and good at it so when you're like 18 and someone's like can you decide what you do with your future yeah. pick, pick this one thing yeah you're like ah I don't know which one to pick. And it was a case of like, okay, what will I be able to get work in? There was a level of having to really think like, am I gonna be good enough to do certain jobs that I was maybe interested in? As much as I would have loved to have done animation or something, didn't end up doing it because I didn't think I was good enough at drawing <laughs> to like do it. And I was like, I'm not gonna be able to get work at that. Cause you know, look at all these animators that I follow and you look at their work and you're like, oh God, no, I'm not gonna be able to do that. It kind of was whittled down to like, okay, I'll do a science thing. Cause you know, I do quite like science and I'm good at it. And I eventually get, end up getting on my degree. But there was always that thing of like, you know, I like other things. Um, and when I got to the point where I was like qualified and working, it just kind of honed in more and more how much maybe this thing wasn't for me. This wasn't my yeah. forever thing. That was a little scary though. Cause that happened this year. But at least you went through and got the qualifications and everything to do it. And you got the experience on top of that. A lot of yeah. people bail out halfway through a degree and go, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, does that make other aspects of your profession? If you trained to be a doctor, realize you didn't make a doc, realize you didn't want to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. Did the everyday practicalities of it make it really impossible to do? Or do you just, is there a kind of like mist that comes down? We're like, okay, just gotta. What really kind of pushed me comes down to the main topic we'll be talking about in this episode, which is gonna be imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's really sad that you said you, you chucked out other things because of imposter syndrome yeah. i nearly bailed on my degree my degree was english literature mm -hmm. um i've always had trouble with tracking when i'm reading uh -huh. and actually as shit as that previous job was with the comparison site mm -hmm. the sheer volume of work meant that my tracking improved so i'm now mm -hmm. reading more than i did during my degree what's tracking well your eyes dart around when you're reading so you have a tendency to my eyes moving everywhere yeah my eyes following the line yeah my eyes struggled to keep focus on the line i have astigmatism and stuff like that so yeah. but i nearly bailed because i remember when i was saying well i want to be a writer and i want to focus on what makes a good writer people said well that degree is english literature english language is actually about kind of phonetics and stuff like that you're mm. not going to be interested in that you need to do english literature and i nearly bailed because imposter syndrome yeah so, no you can't do this you're a slow reader yeah i think we've mentioned this term so what is imposter syndrome it's a hot topic probably... at the moment yeah it is it's a bit hot off the press at the moment um it's not actually a condition like a diet even as the name even though the name suggests otherwise it's not actually something you can go to your doctor and someone's like you'll suffer from imposter syndrome it's not it's actually a psychological phenomenon you may know it as uh it's imposter syndrome imposter phenomenon <laughs> imposterism fraud sy syndrome or the imposter experience and feeling like a fraud <laughs> yes that's like the main thing like there's this like really persistent um like pattern in which you doubt your achievements yeah. and there's an associated fear of being caught out yeah. or being found out as a fraud that is the package of imposter People syndrome find out i'm shit at this I yeah can't do it so you feel in yourself 
I don't deserve to be here. Or chucking it out before you've even got there. Yeah. Vladimir Nabokov, who wrote Lolita, mm-hmm. uh, Lolita was, although it got banned uh, consequently in a number of countries because of the topic that was dis- uh, kind of explored in it, mm-hmm. um, his wife at the time rescued it from a fire he chucked it on. Because oh, he was right. like, I can't publish this. This is right. shit. Yeah. She rescued it and said, no, you, this is brilliant. Uh, it's about, for those who don't know Topic of Lolita, it's about uh, Humbert Humbert who fantasises about nymph, nymphs or nymphettes, I think they're called. Are they like the fairy things? No, 12-year-old girls. So girls who are on the oh. cusp of adulthood. So girls who are about the age of 12, very mm-hmm. slender-bodied, pre-bubescent. Mm-hmm. Um, a brilliant novel, really well-written. Um, it puts, the, it the way, the perspective it's written from is you see it through Humbert Humbert's eyes, so he almost jeopardizes the reputation of the reader, you could argue, because you are forced to see it in his eyes. You're, yeah. He kind of makes you feel uncomfortable for either sympathizing or being forced to read his point of view. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, actually. But he tried to bin that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michelle Obama yeah. has said she's, she can't believe that people turn up to hear her talk. Mm-hmm. There are loads of famous people. Albert Einstein. He's written about imposter syndrome in his work. You can read about it. Uh, Maya Angelou, Tina Fey. Those are some examples. Maya Angelou? Yeah, Maya Angelou. But she's one of those people that she was a true multi-potentialite and did it. She yeah. said, well, if fuck it. I'm going to be a poet and a writer and I'm going to write songs. Yeah. But she wrote about the feeling of like people of this recognition that she didn't feel like she deserved. So the thing is, though, imposter syndrome is seen... I think as we've highlighted from the examples that we've said in everyone. Um, and it doesn't really matter about position. Everyone can feel imposter syndrome because we've just mm. mentioned some really like high class, mm. well-known examples, people that have done really amazing things, but they still feel like, oh God, it was yeah. fluky. Because I think even, I think um, Albert Einstein was mentioning that he just thought that it was just chance anyone could have done what he did. Yeah. A common thing is people just felt like they happened to be there. So you, why you get people say, oh, I'm really lucky to have won this or I'm really mm. lucky to have achieved this. I like, know you you earned it by working hard. Yeah. I just want to get your personal view on like, what do you think imposter syndrome, like where does that come from in a person? Everyone has that internalized doubt, mm-hmm. which I think makes your work better is that this could be better than it is. Everyone has fundamental insecurities about... Oh! Fuck's <laughs> sake! Down in a one. Down in one. Oh, listener. This is... Um, <laughs> a real experience. Tastes like petrol... Fir tree petrol... Interesting. Piss. <clears throat> <laughs> Hacking. Um, I think it's that so can I read this quote by Neil Gaiman yeah sure bang it out some years ago I was lucky enough to be invited to a gathering of great and good people artists and scientists writers and discoverers of things and I felt that any moment they would realise that I didn't really qualify to be there among these people who had really done things on my second or third night there I was standing at the back of the hall while while a musical entertainment while a musical entertainment happened Neil while a come on man come on get <laughs> you your shit books. together Neil come on while musical entertainment happened and I started talking to a very nice polite elderly gentleman about several things including our shared first name and then he pointed to the hall of people and said to the words the effect of I just look at all these people and I think what the heck am I doing here they've made amazing things I just went where I was sent and I said yes but you were the first man on the moon I think that counts for something um, so yeah, Neil Armstrong has yeah. imposter syndrome and he was yeah. on the fucking moon. And that, that's the thing, like everyone gets it. I think it kind of stump, like it, it comes from a level of, oh God, here we go. Insecurity. Drink! <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um <coughs> Kira's dying. Are you all right? But no, I think it comes from a mixture of like being insecure and having a warped level of self-worth. Absolutely. Because yeah. I think when you're someone who's constantly being like, God, I do not deserve to be here. Obviously, someone else is seeing that value in you that you can't see. Yeah. So I'm not signed. And as a result, I see people who are signed who are... The job of an agent is to give you work. Mm-hmm. 
So you don't really rationalise it. You don't think, well, they have an agent, they're getting this work because they have a trained individual getting them those opportunities. Yeah. What I see is them on Instagram being like, I'm on TV next week. And you go, oh. Yeah. So in what's in like in that scenario, when you see another comic who is maybe signed and it's like, oh, I'm on TV next week. Where does the imposterism come in? Obviously, there's a, uh, a stand-up teacher who does workshops oh, really? called uh, Logan Murray. Mm-hmm. And he said, you almost get that kind of, when you hear a new joke or you've come up with a new joke, so it's like the new neural pathway where you go, oh, that's exciting. I've not heard that before. So when you hear someone do a new joke, particularly someone who's signed, you go, oh, they're brilliant. I wouldn't have thought of that. Of course you wouldn't have thought of that because you're not them. Yeah. So you go home feeling, oh, I'm crap. Mm-hmm. Social media is a fucking bugger for people in the entertainment industry because... Yeah. Uh, your agent and the industry will push you to use social media and mm-hmm. say, push this, tweet about it, Instagram it. Mm-hmm. So it means that people who are in the same industry see them and go, oh, they're doing mm. something cool. Yeah. I think Sharon Horgan, so people who know who Sharon Horgan is, she's a fucking incredible Irish writer. She wrote Catastrophe with mm-hmm. Rob Delaney. She's brilliant. I love her. It was huge to hear her say she struggles to watch other stand-ups and yeah. comedians because she gets jealous. Whereas I look at her and I'm like, oh my God, you... I will never be able to write something as good as Catastrophe. Yeah. But this is, yeah, there's that level of like, that's imposterism, isn't it? Where you're yeah. like, oh, I can't do that because I, w- I won't be good enough. So, do you think there's anything, any other aspect of your life that you feel like you have imposter in, like in your past experiences? Personal life doesn't affect me. If somebody is going, oh, we're so happy we went to the Seychelles. <laughs> to the Seychelles. That, then I'm kind of aware. I don't know if maybe there's the trope of holidays on social media where you go well that's just an illusion that is one moment from that holiday you took Mm. and obviously it's going to be better than going into work at 9am yeah that I'm more consciously aware of Mm -hmm. and I guess it's not an achievement yeah going on holiday yeah you went on easyjet.com you got the flights yeah you booked the flights and then went there and did the thing if somebody threatens your integrity by doing the same thing as you Mm -hmm. and you perceive it to be them to be doing it well yeah what about you um i think for me i don't so i've talked about obviously the whole like when i had to decide what career i had to do even doing the whole career change thing i have to like deal with the like imposter imposterness a lot because when i decided okay you know what i'm not going to do this thing that i've trained for x amount of years you are reassured that if you jump through the hoops you'll get to the goal that you that you'll be in no one can deny you that um, so when I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do something creative. To suddenly be like, okay, you're now a creative person. Was a bit like, all right, Anita. Yeah. Sure you are. Because I remember even messaging you. Mm. I mean, like, I don't have any experience or qualifications that people would take seriously. They're just going to look at me with my degree and my qualification and be like, okay. <laughs> and that was something that I had to uh, embrace. Like a, oh, you know what? It's not my job to judge me. It's their job too. So yeah. I'm going to put in the application. I'm not going to stop myself from putting in application because I don't think I'm good enough. That's a real thing, I think. is imposter syndrome can even stop you from taking that first hurdle. Yeah. That means you fucking did it. But I think people, um, oh God, this this is what the alcohol has done to me. I've started talking like a frat boy. <laughs> frat boy. Encouraging frat boy. his dorm mate to play football. <sighs> you could still go out there and say you fucking did it. <laughs> you just fucking did it, bro. <laughs> um, the amount of times I had to like convince myself to actually do it rather than passively just like yeah. not just do it. Because um, I remember watching a TED talk a while ago um, about imposter syndrome and it was talking in particularly about how imposter syndrome affects women because it's more prevalent in women than men supposedly according to this talk and they were talking in about employment and like business and how it is that men get further or will apply for work that they may not be necessarily qualified for because they don't have that voice in the back of their head saying you're not good enough guys will be like yeah sure i'll learn when i do the job and we'll apply for a job that they don't have any qualifications and mm. we'll get it whereas um in this in this ted talk they were saying that women have a tendency to be like oh yeah no i don't think i'll be able to get that job so they never apply for the job yeah women are brought up with more insecurities i think yeah that with that echoing in the back of my mind i was like i need to not do that i yeah. need to be like you know what yeah i'll be able to learn this i've done that as well was it i saw another comedian her cover photo on her facebook is carry yourself with the confidence of a straight white man (laughs) 
But that's, I think that's true. And I do wonder if insecurities have a knock-on effect, is if you're told you're not beautiful enough or you have to be beautiful, so you need to make it... I think the implication of telling people to be beautiful or to look presentable, the direct implication of that is you're not presentable now. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And I do wonder, does that have a knock-on effect, particularly for women, because... People of our generation, certainly. And I would say the current generation, because they are growing up in the generation of of social media influencers, mm-hmm. are told, you as you are right now are not good enough. You need to... Do this. Do this, and then you can be yeah. presentable. And I just wonder, does that have a carry on, carry over to yeah. your professional life? No, I, yeah, I do. I, don't, I wouldn't, because do you think certain groups feel imposterism even more than other groups? Yeah. I think women do. I think women feel it more because the thing fucking sets my tits alight is... <laughs> blazing people, tits. Blazing of titties fury. of fury. Is people who say, well, we don't title. really... <laughs> tits of fury. Blazing tits of fury. <laughs> is people who say, well, we don't really need feminism as much now. Mm-hmm. And I think people misinterpret feminist as being female only or females better yeah. than men i think because there was that dark period of feminism i always remember it like in the uh like early 2010s i feel like there was when we a, were at uni when we were starting uni yeah. the feminist society at our uni i don't know whether that's just us maybe because of our university but we have I, a, a footnote to the the listeners our uni is famed for being very left-wing and radical which is brilliant yeah. in some ways fantastic in some ways but also the drawback to that was some of the societies that were by nature political ac- accidentally excluded a lot of people yeah. because if you didn't see it in their way you were kind of driven out of online yeah chat it, groups and it was weird because it was yeah like oh yeah we're so liberal and left and like we're so open but you know what if you don't agree with like the femsoc society then get out so yeah no I, uh, so we were talking about feminism yeah so groups in which imposter imposterism is more prevalent I'd be happy to make a sweeping statement that it tends to be, like, any sort of minority. Um, so women? But like, women aren't a minority. That's the thing. We're just treated as... We yeah, were, we're historically treated, treated as... Yeah, but we're tre- citizens. yeah, we're treated as minor- minorities as women. So yeah. it's either you're actually a minority or you're, like, it's whether people treat you. Here's a an exam question. <laughs> I've got my pen out. 12 marks. <laughs> Describe. Is imposter syndrome akin to minority syndrome? You What's like minority the, syndrome? I, I don't know. But in the sense that you feel like you're the minority in the room. Uh, I think so. I think if you were, if you walked into a place where everyone else either looked like you or came from your background, you would have no reason to question why you're there. Surely, right? Because everyone else is like you. We've all come. We're all made from the same, cut from the same cloth. There's no reason to think why I'll be there. But if... Let's say, Kira, you you decided to work in a very male-dominated industry, like, let's say, the gaming industry. You wanted to write in the gaming industry. Yeah. And you went into that platform, and the magazine you were writing for was all full of dudes that played games. You would be like, what the hell am I doing here? Because no one else is like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's not so you can't get imposter syndrome in the room full of people like you. You can think, oh, no, but what if they're... Is that what if? Sometimes it's a genuine, ration, ration, semi-rationalised, you know, these people are better educated than me. Yeah. Or like, I imagine how politicians who are not, who didn't, weren't educated at Oxbridge must feel. Yeah. They turn up to Parliament and go, well, I'm working class and I wasn't educated at Oxbridge. Mm-hmm. So I'm fucked. I think that awareness of maybe being different in any way, whether it's a a correctly concluded difference. I got a lot of imposter syndrome in my exams. Like anyone who knows me, like my family, my friends, anyone. If I sat an exam, I'd walk out of it and be like, I have failed. Yeah, I I didn't do a good job. I'm so fucking stupid. Jesus Christ, I'm gonna fail. La la la, I don't deserve to be on this degree. And then lo and behold, a few months later, you'd pass. Really, like, if i looking back on myself, like I had every reason to be in that degree and doing that exam because I'd done the same amount of work or passed the same level as everyone else in that room but I always kind of felt like I was thick (laughs) it's interesting I think it's but then you get people like Michelle Obama Mm -hmm. who are arguably the most intelligent 
the most wealthy, most successful in the room, and they still feel, they look at other people and go, oh. But I think her imposter syndrome was more so, why do people want to listen to me? Why do people look up to me? Like hers was kind of slightly different. Like why I don't really have anything great to say, Mm. yet all these people are sitting in this room looking at me to say something really wise. And I think maybe for her case, it's maybe where she came from, because they haven't always been yeah. the wealthiest. Barack Obama as well. Yeah. Uh, he was, um, he really struggled with being mixed race in Hawaii. And if I, I may have got this biographical detail wrong, but he was doing drugs in high school and stuff to, no, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. He was doing, he said he did even did stuff like cocaine because he felt so inadequate and so, so much of a kind of outcast. Yeah. To go from that and become president, mm-hmm. I do find that interesting dichotomy of what carries you to achieve and what might potentially hold you back in terms of your own worst demons saying, mm. shit, stop. Yeah. It comes down, I guess, to resilience as well. A level yeah. of resilience and like self-assurance and maybe as well support from other people. Um, it's really complicated. But I think everyone does feel it generally because I think it's a it's the result of societal pressures, personal pressures and a level of insecurity, all these things that... Oh, insecurity. Oh, right, can I have some of your gin? Because this no. tastes like hot, spicy <laughs> ass. Well, this... if you want some hot, spicy berry ass, it's not yogurt gin, it's a raspberry gin, all right? Because I'm a fancy. Well, fancy if it takes packer. away... Lay burning tonsils. Do you know what? I've lost half, half my vocal range from a virus <laughs> recently, so... <laughs> Uh-huh. The virus, not the gin that's not stripping your tonsils every burning, time you shot it. Burning my vocal cords. You got this. Down in one. Down in... <laughs> okay, wait, I've got mine. Mine's diluted, to be fair. Oh. Is that worse? That made it drinkable. Did it? The raspberry? Yeah. yeah. I got this. Don't worry, It's like gin with car air freshener in it now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you have some really wonderful descriptions. Oh, thank you, honey. I think that's how I know that you did like a literary degree because you can't say the words real well. Speaking <laughs> of fucking insecurity. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. In the words of Linkin Park, you did this to yourself. In the words of Linkin Park, in the end, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> oh. These wounds, they will not heal. <laughs> yeah, those tonsils of yours won't heal. This gag reflex will not heal. Oh my <laughs> god. I mean, no one is forcing you to shot it. Like, <laughs> can I just point that out there? Like, I decided. She like messaged me before we did this episode. She's like, I'm going to shot all the gin. And I'm like, you do you, girl. Well, do you know what? I put on three fucking stone mm. two years ago. So I'm trying to watch my weight at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's my self-doubt <laughs> nearly said it <laughs> it's so, so i'm trying to be like health conscious mm. but in an utterly <laughs> impotent way what in like shotting gin yeah it's i'm cutting calories i mean like there's like not many calories in gin so you walk in. No, so i'm just like opening a vein and pouring it in <laughs> so, but speaking of like being a, a literature student right yeah there is that pressure or a former, I mean, Jesus, I study, I graduated in 2014. That was four you years ago. Girl. Get over it, Kira. <laughs> um, but I'm a writer by trade and it is different sitting at your laptop and kind of thinking of a paragraph and how to say it in the best way. And then giving it a day, coming back to it, rereading it going, oh, take out that, that and that. To saying something live to the mic on the spot. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly... I get imposter syndrome with this podcast and I'm like... <laughs> every single recording. Yeah. Everything that falls out of my stupid mouth. Oh, here uh, we go. Woe is me. <laughs> what do you mean stupid mouth? Oh, boo-hoo, Kira. <laughs> we Fucking, were just talking about you, Percy Shelley? Go and cry in a boat somewhere. Go and get on the Norfolk Broads and cry. <laughs> no. Okay. I wanted to say I had a look at the different types of imposter syndrome. Apparently, there's five potential types. So basically, these are ways that people deal with feeling like an imposter. So in The Perfectionist, they always want to make sure they get everything right so no one can criticize them and say, "Mm, actually girl, you shouldn't be here, should you? The workaholic 
will aim to like work really hard in order to get external validation. Yeah. So they'll just work over, above and beyond so that someone can say, you know what, they do deserve to be here because, you know, look at how much work they do. Um, we've got the natural genius who constantly feels like they need to know all the stuff already. If they don't just know it, then they're a failure. Um, I guess I fall into that category. Yeah? Yeah. I should already know this. And if I don't, that's infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. The soloist kind of just does it on their own, doesn't want to ask for help. So they just do everything on their own, don't want to ask for help because they don't want people to know that they don't know it. And then we've got the expert who wants to know as much as they can about the thing so that if someone asks them about it, they'll know it. But that sounds like one, the first one. It does, doesn't it, right? But the perfectionist, I think, is the perfectionist wants to get everything right. I guess it's it's refining it and refining it and refining it, whereas the expert wants to already... Yeah, wants to already know everything about that topic so that... Preempt any questions. Yeah. Whereas the perfectionist wants whatever it is they're working on to be perfect. To be perfect so that they don't get questioned on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But they're all apparently different ways in which um, people deal with the imposter syndrome. So did you say you thought you were the natural genius? I mean, the natural genius or the solo. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess they're kind of similarly linked. Yeah. What what you? Which one are you? Um, hmm... I used to be a perfectionist. Really? But I, I like stopped that a long time ago when it got very unhealthy. <laughs> it got unhealthy to the point where I was doing like notes at university and I'd maybe mess up one word and I'd start like my page of notes again. And like I was, I'd end up then doubling my time. time. surely. Yeah. Like it's not worth it. <laughs> oh my God. So what do you think you are now? How did you change uh, which type you are? You know what? Being honest, I think I I think I'm like the expert because oh. I like to know about stuff. Like I like to know, and when someone maybe outsmarts me about something that I feel like I I know quite a lot about, I'm a bit like hmm, and that's like a real Ooh, confidence. You know, I get that too though. Right? So, have you heard of an enneagram test? I've done one. What number are you? Can you read them out again? Because I can't remember the number. Oh. Sorry, Kira. I'm on eclecticenergies.com. Now, if that is not the most, I believe, Purple in chakra. Astro- <laughs> astrology bullshit. Girl, like, I am open. You're such a Gemini right now. <laughs> You're such a fucking rising Capricorn. I'm actually a Cancer. <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. To life. <laughs> to life. Oh! <laughs> a Neogram. A Neogram. Yeah, I've done it. So what are the... There's, like, the Type helper... One. Okay, the performer. Right. The, uh, or let me finish, Anita. Sorry, <laughs> honey. Uh, there's type one, the reformer. Mm. Type two, the helper. Type three, the achiever. Type four, the individualist. Type five, the investigator. Type six, the loyalist. Type seven, the enthusiast. Type eight, the challenger. Type nine, the peacemaker. I was like the people pleasing one. Oh, you type nine, the peacemaker. You're ty- yeah. You're the same as my mum. Yeah, I was the people-pleasing one. I'm type four, the individualist. Like, I'm basically, <laughs> I'm really fucking emotional and think all my problems are the worst, is basically what it summarizes. You're like, basically, you need a re out, you some grounding yeah, girl. I am that drama student who sits alone in their room yeah. going, she dumped me because she didn't <laughs> like my origami collection. So look, wait, we should explain the Enneagram. Is that how you pronounce it? Enneagram, yeah. The Enneagram test, it asks you like 120 questions, I think. It's like the full one. You can do it online, you can find it online. It's like a long last personality test, but after the end of it, it basically tells you what you what type you are out of these nine types. And it's actually really quite useful because I don't really do a lot of these personality tests, but I came across this when I went to visit my f- friend in Spain this year. She had a book about it. She's like, you should do it. Uh, and we sat down and we did the quiz. She came out as a type five, which I think is the, the, thing, the person who likes to know a lot about information before they do stuff. Ah, yeah. I think that's the type five. And I came out as a type nine. And it was quite interesting because rather than saying like, you are this type, you are great. It was like, you're this type. This is probably stuff that you find really difficult. This is what you need to do to like challenge and push yourself out of being that type because that can limit you. Mm. So what did it say about being the individualist? (laughs) Basically, this is the saltiest description. Basically, it says, oh, think you're special, do you? (laughs) Well, you're not, bae. (laughs) Uh, people of this personality type tend to build their identities around their perception of themselves as being somehow different or unique they are thus they're self-consciously individualistic 
Forced tend to see their difference from others as being both a gift and a curse. A gift because it sets them apart from those they perceive as being somehow common and a curse. No one can relate. As <laughs> Is that pretty much it? As it often seems to separate them from the simpler forms of happiness that others so rapidly and seem God. to enjoy. You know, actually, this brings me on really nicely to a question I wanted to ask and like that we can talk about. Do you think imposterism is a millennial issue? No. If Neil Armstrong and Albert Einstein and Maya aren't Angela feeling their full fantasy. Is it, An- is it Maya Angelou? Maya Angelou. Angelou. Uh, but I think it's more millennial to talk about it. Uh, you're right. I think you're, I think you're right. I think that's a really good summary of it. I think people have always felt it. But in the past, when were you really able to talk about how you felt? Maybe not so much because people didn't really care as much or didn't put as much weight to your feelings. No, I think we are increasingly with each generation more open to expressing how how we feel. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, God, this is so simplistic because I'm so wankered. But like watching Mad Men, oh, which right, is yeah. a brilliant series and I recommend anyone watches it, you do see it's easy to set, to feel like we're falling back. And I'm reading a book at the moment that says before... Um, the French Revolution, there were so many little wars happening in Europe, people felt there couldn't really be a big war again. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone likes to think that you'll never, there'll never be another war mm-hmm. or you'll never relapse to the way it was before. And I think societies and politics will always relapse to some extent, but the, we are still progressing. You watch something like Mad Men and you watch the way that women are talked to, the way they're actually auctioned off in, mm-hmm. within companies and institutions like prostitutes. Mm-hmm. You think, actually, we have come. Far doesn't say that that doesn't happen, but we are progressing bit by bit. Do you think? Sorry, I'm opening up a can of worms now. I'm gonna probably make some sweeping statements, but like, if someone in a older generation than us put on their headphones and listened to this podcast, how do you think their reception to it would be? Do you think we'd get criticised? You mentioned a bit about the snowflake stuff. Like, do you feel like they'd be like, oh god, or would they be? open to it well i'm always cautious with the idea of the older generation because although they have a collective wisdom of experience they also have uh, archaic values so i don't know like i was thinking about this i was like if i had someone even in my mum's generation like if they listen to this podcast um if this came on let's say on the things they listen to like bbc radio 4 <laughs> i think they'd struggle with the references and the swearing yeah, probably. Because I do, feel, I do feel with older generations, you do have to watch your swearing slightly. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of content, like what we're talking about, this imposterism. I guess maybe there'd be a fear that by talking about it, you um, give in to it. Yeah. I don't know, actually. I don't know. I'm asking this question. I'm thinking of an answer for myself. I'm like... Well, now we have, I guess there's more of an abstract notion of what do you want to do? Whereas what my are we talking about? Jobs or just you're talking about... Jobs, Yeah. Mm-hmm or aspirations whereas my parents generation it's what degree or what qualification is going to get you a job that will make money so my parents did information technology they're the first to go to uni in their family Mm -hmm. our generation are more well what am i interested in yeah which is actually in a way less practical but you know what saying that it's really interesting because i had that mentality that your parents had i was like Mm. i need to get a degree that I'm gonna get a job in as much as I also did really like doing arts and creative stuff I was like am I really gonna be able to get work in it because I know a lot of people that don't and I wish I maybe had more self-belief but you know what I was 18 and that's fine I didn't yeah I have it now so it's fine perhaps something relates back to your idea that older generations would empathize less with in terms of as you get older you give less of a fuck yeah you think why not Mm. I look back when I was 18 and I was so volatile and almost very ready to shut people down on their opinions. Didn't you have like some crazy colour in your hair, like pink or something? Yeah, I had a bit of colour in my hair. Yeah, I did. I had um, some like kind of copper under my fringe. I dyed my hair brown back then. Um, I also had, when I was 16, I had a mental health problem diagnosed and kind of develop a lot earlier than a lot of people would. So it was that thing of I was reacting mostly out of just being completely irrational. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. now, I have seven years of remedying that just by graded exposure, getting out, doing stuff, challenging stuff that made me anxious and saying, well, I'm confident now. Yeah. The person that I am now, 25, compared to when I was 18, is fundamentally the same, but I'm different. Different in what ways? 
I think I'm more self-assured. Yeah. I know what I want. I've had experience. I've been through bad times and I've been through that to realize I don't want to do that again. I value myself more. I don't care so much about what other people think. But you could not expect this attitude from someone who's only ever been in school in a sheltered, in uh, like in a sheltered institution like education mm. to have that. So... I don't know how we got onto the subject, but we've we kind of talked a bit about our own experience of imposter syndrome in various aspects of our lives. Like, have you ever had to like actively challenge yourself from imposterism? Yeah, insecurities. Ah, oh, for fucks. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, I will open. Oh wait, no, 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 carrying on until the gin hit your hit your lips. Hit your lips. <laughs> this is not nectar. You're not mead is a nectar. Guinness is a nectar. Smooth. With a nice, cool, foamy head. As any good man should. Oh! Shut shut your vile ass mouth, girl. Right, hold on. I'm just going to top mine up with some ginsy kins. Um, I challenge my insecurities on a daily basis. Being a writer, I pitch to people. So I won a contract with a job recently, a marketing agency. I had to send them an article 500 words long mm-hmm. with a newsworthy angle with everything they'd asked for in their manual i did it i worked really hard on it and as i sent it i thought i have failed this i have not got this job i'm shit mm. and that came as a result of my bad experience with this financial institution and then i won the job i they said they were very impressed but until they sent their email saying well done i was like i failed it yeah I know that feeling. That's not to say you can't have that feeling of leaving it. I've had times like that where I've been like, I think they liked me. Yeah. I think I've maybe left like two interviews feeling like, you but, know what? The vibe was good. But was then you also, I feel like even, even with that, you go back and you cross analyze everything you said yeah. and every look they gave you as you said. Like I, yeah. my life is cross examining everything. Yeah. That's a shitty thing about being self-employed as well is I rely on presenting myself to yeah. people. But pushing myself stand up is probably the main one. Yeah, that I. But and how have you bat- battled that then? Just by ignoring it, by like trying as hard as I can, getting as much stage time. Also, that I'll show you yeah, because yeah. in stand up in particular, you'll get people who patronise you, condescend you. People say, "Oh well, you know, this guy, he's actually very good." As a way of saying, as you po- shouldn't, yeah, be as, aware. Oppo- as opposed to you, yeah. yeah. Um, Do you think you get that more as a lady comic? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever like observed guy comics talking to each other, and has that ever really come up? Yeah, it's other guy comics posturing to each other. As I'll say, you do see girl comics doing it as well, mm-hmm. but male comics do tend to posture in a way that is perhaps their own insecurity, their own imposter syndrome, saying, "I don't feel very good, so I need to show him." All the venues that I've performed of that he will have heard of. Wait, did you just say insecurity? Let's take it back a few seconds. Ah! <laughs> oh, I'm like the, you know, when uh, you're watching subtitles, like, and they're always delayed. Like that was me then. Yeah, let's take a swig. This beat is automatic. No, Sierra. <laughs> Supersonic, hypnotic, funky, fresh, Flip so melodic. This something, Wait. something. This beat, beat goes, goes right through my chest. chest. So okay, other male comics, do you think they do it to try and? I think it's their own imposter syndrome yeah. that makes them do it. But there's almost that testosterone pumped confrontationalism about it that yeah. makes it fucking insufferable to be around. <laughs> I I hate it. And like girl comics as well, female comics, I guess are then pushed as well to feel like, fuck you, I need to be visible right now because mm-hmm. that we're not represented enough. Mm-hmm. Still, there's, we're still the token woman on a bill and it is getting better now, actually. Mm-hmm. I've seen some female comics who I've gigged with, who I know about, and seeing them climb up through the ranks and appear on Live at the Apollo is like a virtual hug. It's like, yeah. it's so nice to see but the visibility on instagram means other comics like me who are not signed who are still trying the damnedest to be better feel all the more i'm trying not to say the word because i don't want to feel unexceptional anita the buzzword unexceptional unexceptional. how 
<laughs> it's hard. I think social media, and I know social media is a bit of a buzzword, and it's so much of a trope now yeah. that I think people social media is like the damning thing, you know. Everyone yeah, wants to everyone likes to say it to shoot something. Else, like, oh, it's just social media. It's just you know, it's trending. It's well, it's the people that use it. Everyone uses it. That's the thing. That's I the think, thing. I think we use the minority of people who have made it on social media, mm. but in a way, there is a trickle down effect of insecurity i think the idea of trickle down wealth is bollocks but i think the effect of trickle down insecurity is oh for sure oh for fuck's take a shot take a shot down and one i'm so drunk (laughs) i'm also getting there you're getting there you know when you're like anita's that careful person who's kind of guys i don't really do this much so i'll just have a few i you'll not have a few carrie fisher God rest her soul. Carrie Fisher is an absolute idol, but she... I remember Star her, Wars? Star Wars, yes, yeah. Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. She said on Graham Norton once, she said, she learned over... You know that girl who's in the new Star Wars films who looks like Kira Knightley, but not? The the, the English girl. Yeah, the one yeah. with the teeth. So she... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that narrows it down. The girl with the teeth. So she said to her, she said, well, honey... What did I say to you? What was the advice I gave to you before you went out and said, don't burn through the male cast members like wildfire? I burn through alcohol like wildfire <laughs> when it's given to me. Well, R.I.P. Carrie Fisher. She, she, was, a, she was a force. Um, okay. I feel like I'm interviewing you, Kira. Is mm. this... Anita, when did you last have to challenge yourself for feeling unexceptional? I'm going to say that word because I'm not saying the other word. <laughs> I think you know what? At work. Like, I'm surrounded by really incredible people who are, like, very passionate, who want to do, like, everything and anything for their, for their colleagues. And don't get me wrong, that's what I want to do. But when you're surrounded by a lot of people who's, who are very into their work, and, you know, as I mentioned, like, I kind of got to this feeling of, like, this isn't really for me. Yeah. Like, you kind of feel like, oh, my God, I'm not like them. I'm such an outsider. Like, I'm not good enough. You know, because these people are just so passionate and so ready. But that should be that should be something that's noted. It's just because you're not passionate or not just because it's not your first choice doesn't mean you're not you don't excel at it. Doesn't mean you don't. But you know what? At, at the time, you think they run hand in hand because yeah, if you're naturally passionate about something, you'll do everything and anything, and you will do it to the best that you can because you love it so much, and you feel like if you lack that passion, am I doing everything and anything, or am I a bit? Am I a bit more blasé? That, let's not get this wrong, though. Is passion can sometimes mean that you put in the effort that's required. However, I think in the medical profession, though, it's competence. And you're clearly very competent and very good at what you do. But your passion lies elsewhere. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Do you think that we started the unexceptionals out of some sort of imposterism? Ooh. <laughs> Anita just became the sass emoji. <laughs> I was like, think about that. Chew on that, girls and boys. I honestly started it because I wanted to do something that involved working with you. (laughs) Everyone's mic, like, like, everyone's like, fuck this podcast. All microphones are just blown up at that incredible pitch. Okay, right, sorry. So we do a thing during the day which is the BBC new comedy show. Right, yeah. Norfolk and Suffolk. And I guess that was like a more official way of doing comedy. Mm-hmm. And although this isn't comedy, this is actually, it's interesting the way that things turn out. Yeah. So I'd say we started this being like, this is a comedy podcast. Yeah. But what it's turned out to be is almost like a features podcast yeah. with moments of funny mm-hmm. added, like a garnish. I agree. I think that like maybe it's more so like natural conversation you'd have with close friends. That's the kind of vibe yeah. that we have. You have a bit of banter, you have a bit of laughter, yeah. as well as obviously getting to the root cause uh, of, of things and talking yeah. serious, getting down dirty. But yeah, no, it was a way of working with you in a way that I I guess we got to do what we were interested in. Wing, wing. So not imposterism, you don't think it's from... like Honestly, the, to begin the, with, no, but no. I guess... We mentioned at the beginning, we're going to bring it back to the beginning, we mentioned that... We, we made this podcast because we realised, oh, you know, I browsed through my Facebook, I browsed through my Instagram, I browsed through internet, and there's all these, like, influencers doing great things on my screen, uh, and I feel like I've not done anything with my life. Is, do you think that's a level of imposterism? Yeah, I guess so. Because at the time, like, again, our generation, our spare time is filled with flicking through videos of people we love on YouTube. Um, for me, it's watching people like John Oliver's... Uh, 
last week tonight, mm-hmm. which is scripted. And I guess um, our show is not scripted. And that's mm-hmm. a level of imposterism I suffer with is, should, you know, will we fall behind shows that are scripted? They're very different. They're not really comparable, are they? Scripted and unscripted. No, yeah. Because I... My family are Northern Irish and American, and my favourite memories are the storytelling. But there are, I'm aware there's other people doing podcasts who script theirs, and it has a very polished feel to it. So I get imposterism from that. I get that feeling of, oh man, we don't script ours. I think, or, or, well, you could argue we do, because we certainly, before we interview someone, we draft our Yeah, we draft questions. some questions, and we draft maybe a rough direction of where we want it to go. But I think we do rely on the natural flow of conversation. Yeah. Wait, do I feel like uh, we create this out of imposterism? For me, no. I don't think so because I don't think we, we made this to to feel like, oh, we we are good. And it was to say, actually, you know, we do all do amazing things in our lives. But no Let's one gets hear to hear about, about it. it. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier about social media. We, we are a generation that has social media. I think we, we look through a lot of content more so than maybe a few generations back mm. when the only content you saw was on TV, on yeah. the radio, in the newspapers, and that was it. Yeah. Whereas like, we can look through loads of content in a day on our little mini computer. So I don't know whether that's maybe like warped things a bit for yeah. us. There's the perceived democracy of anyone can make it. Yeah. I think this is a good time to wrap it up. Absolutely. I think we should end this with how we end all of our podcasts, though. Mm-hmm. Anita... What How makes do you, find you feel unexceptional? What? Oh, what makes me... Oh, God. Shit! <laughs> um, what makes me feel unexceptional? Um, You know what? Oh, my God. I think I'm going to do the thing that all I guess... I don't feel unexceptional. No? I don't. I don't feel unexceptional because I know people have felt the way that I felt and have been through the things that I felt. So there's, like, a relatability. Like, I'm not alone in it. Do you yeah. feel unexceptional? Kira, what makes you feel unexceptional? other people who i know are better than me <laughs> honestly that's, that's truth of it that's truth of it but also i don't feel unexceptional sometimes because i know like everyone i come from a unique set of circumstances mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether you feel like you are the same as every single one of your neighbors or the people you grew up with like there's something about you that makes you unique and I'm not just saying that because I've shot at a lot of neat gin, <laughs> according to my own rules that I shouldn't have made up. Yeah, Kira is the only one who's actually shotting neat gin. <laughs> I have not. Anita you know is the sobriety you know holding this podcast together. Do you know what, Kira? I love myself. Because <laughs> you know what? I value who I am. You like you, you know that people are better than you, but you don't feel unexceptional about it, basically. Is that the gist? Yeah, that's something we're talking about. Whenever we have asked guests this, what makes you feel unexceptional... They've immediately gone, fuck you, I feel un- I feel <laughs> exceptional. And that's been a real surprise. Like, yeah. we've both been like, oh, okay. You're obviously very, very much comfortable with yourself. But I don't think they are, you know. I think it's, there is a reverse psychology or something that makes, it's that I, I'll show you. It's yeah. as soon as you tell someone you're not special, they go, actually, do you know what? Fuck you, I am. Well, I guess yeah. saying someone's unexceptional is like, no one's ever said unexceptional in a positive way so when you're asking someone what makes you feel exceptional you're saying what makes you feel shit and it's like well i don't feel shit really like yeah i think it's also the word maybe unexceptional is a bit like negative like it sounds like a, a grumpy school mistress a grumpy frigid school mistress <laughs> frigid with a picnic blanket skirt material i'm just saying i find it triggering yeah. um no. <laughs> <laughs> obviously some weird school experiences <laughs> Sometimes I think already it's a weird thing to ask someone to talk about themselves, but I think it's that process of talking about it that maybe makes them feel, you know what? Sure, I did. I value yeah. like everything I've done. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that I'd hoped from this podcast is you. This is your life way, getting people, everyday people, to go through their life and go, oh yeah, yay, yay. So do you think we should still keep asking that question? Yeah, I think yeah. we should. Because, I don't know, I think it's been different every time. Maybe, unfortunately, we will get someone who get who goes, oh, well, this, actually. This makes me feel like shit. That'd be cool. Although, Holly, in our first episode, said, I'm just one person doing the same job as a lot of other people. Mm, that's very true. Okay, so let's wrap it up properly. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our special episode. Yeah, thank you podcast. very much. And I'm so sorry, because 
Gin has been consumed. Glasses. There's yeah. going to be a bit more background noise, but we kind of wanted to keep that feel because, you know, keeps yeah. it real. Keeps it real for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening thus far. Even if this episode make you want to quit life. <laughs> You're like, yep, going to press the escape button. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Stick around. We will have a new guest for you next week. Yeah. Or in a fortnight. In a um, fortnight, yeah. Something new every fortnight. Mm-hmm. That's the nice thing about this podcast, actually, is... Every fortnight you get someone new. Someone who you will never have met. Someone with completely unique circumstances. Uh-huh. And we're going to pick their brains. Did you like this episode? Please show your support by liking us on yeah. all the different podcast listening platforms. Like it, share it, let people know you've listened to it. Uh, also feel free to comment on that as well. And also find us on the social medias. Uh, social medias, which is uh, on Twitter and Instagram. The at unexceptional. Sorry. Un- oh, <laughs> Yeah, Anita, <laughs> get the drunk in. person to... Insecure, let's drink! Woo! Oh! <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. I think because she messed up, I feel like that's well-deserved. <laughs> <laughs> she deserved this. She earned this. It'll only her make own. her better. <laughs> <laughs> Our social medias are... On both Instagram and yeah. Twitter... At underscore unexceptional. Perfection. And please find us on social media too. Yay! If you enjoy us, um, we do our own things. Anita is an exceptional photographer and illustrator. I also do dem drawings too. Yeah, uh, and we, does dem comedy things. So follow us uh personally. Yeah. You will. We will have our individual hashtags linked to our social media, yeah. so you can find us through there. We'll be tagged all over it. Yeah. I'm at underscore Kira Jack, and you are at Anita Mubed. There's a D at the end, so N cubed. That's kind of what I was going for. <laughs> yes, queen. Like enter the power of three, maths, y'all. And if you want to email us, just to let us know. You know what, guys? Episode five sucked tits. <laughs> You need to not do it ever again. Don't you ever. Don't you ever. <laughs> don't ever drink again. Assault and, my eardrums with that. And do that. Again. Drop us an email. Our email address is theunexceptionalspodcast at gmail.com. We will make sure to read it at least. We probably won't reply, to be honest. Mm. So let's be honest. Um, please let us know, by the way. This is this, this is genuinely valuable to us. Um, some of the people interviewed on this podcast are friends and family. Mm-hmm. However, that's not necessarily true of everyone in this series. Yep. Uh, people are the, Some of these people are people we have just happened to meet and say, would you like to come on the podcast? If you know anyone who think I haven't heard... Um, a lawyer mm. talk about their day or I haven't heard a podiatrist yeah talk about their day please let us know and it's particularly helpful if they're in East Anglia or that's not necessary um, please let us know mm-hmm. thank you so much guys for yes. joining us on this journey this is episode 5 it's a special episode one episode 5 yeah oh my god hope you guys enjoyed it love you so much guys love Good. you bye, bye. bye. Music's by Kevin MacLeod.